Hello everyone, welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast. I am your host, Kale Smith. And so just before we get started, I want to let you guys know this is part one of a, the discussion of the uh, Across the Spider-Verse podcast. Uh, we had to split this up into two parts uh, for uh, A, the size of it, and B, uh, the two different um, perspectives we brought on to this podcast. So uh, we're t- starting with this one today with David Weiser from Film Assessment, and then we're going to have the uh, other uh, guests, Kyle Arking and Josh Martin, uh, join the other half, which is should be coming out right around the time of this other this first episode. So right after you're finished with this episode, uh, come check us out right back here in about an hour or so after the first episode is So it should be out in time for you to go from one episode to the next. But uh, just in case, uh, just come back here. uh, Enjoy this first episode, and we'll be back with you um, very soon for part two. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. I can hear you being quiet, Mom. I, um, hope I didn't ice your game, man. No one my age says those words in that order. It's just hard to see my little man not being my little boy all the time. Yeah. For years, I've been taking care of this little boy. Making sure he is loved. That he feels like he belongs wherever he wants to be. He wants to go out into the world and do great big things. Not bad, kid. And what I worry about most... I love you, Miles. ...is they won't look out for you like us. Miles! Wanna get out of here? Wherever you go from here, you have to promise to take care of that little boy for me. Make sure he never forgets where he came from. And he never doubts that he is loved. And he never lets anyone tell him that he doesn't belong there. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast. I am your host, Kel Smith. Joining me this week and joining us back on the show is David Weiser from Film Assessment. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. It's been a while. It has been a long time. Way too long. Uh, have you been, Have you been, buddy? Been doing pretty good, especially good. after seeing this movie. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but before we get into it... Um, what are your thoughts on what were your thoughts on the last movie? Oh, I love Into the Spider-Verse. Um I think I was on your podcast for that. I might have been. Oh, that's probably yeah, I think so cuz you were also on that and Aquaman. Mhm. Okay, yeah. So now it's like the we're back, you know, a few four and a half years later, you know, older, maybe not as wise we wanted to be uh and uh we're back you know talking about more miles morales adventures uh so 
you know, I the movie did very well this weekend. I'm just going to kind of open the floor for spoilers if it's okay. Um, but uh, I really want to just know, uh, David, um, what did what did you think of uh, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse? Oh, I thought it was a great sequel. Um, I don't like it quite as much as the first one, but we'll kind of get into that as we go on. But I was really impressed with like, I mean, the animation, I think they definitely like took step for steps forward there. I mean, not even just steps like leaps and bounds, like the animation was remarkable. Um, and I love Daniel Pemberton's score, the voice cast uh, across the board. And there's some nice additions here. Um, I thought they were all great. I thought it was a pretty, really compelling script. My main drawback is like kind of it being a part one, I guess like kind of this middle chapter in the trilogy, like not so much that there were dangling threads, but it doesn't have as much um, finality to, or not, not necessarily finality, but like, I feel like everything doesn't wrap up quite like it doesn't feel like it has an ending almost like it kind of feels like i mean i guess it has a cliffhanger ending but like it doesn't feel like it like into the spider verse is a complete story and it's there's still dangling threads but like i feel like across the spider verse it, it does it's not quite there i mean i like i i i can see the argument that it does resolve gwen stacy's arc for sure and then to a lesser extent miles um but we'll kind of unpack that as we dive in right and for me like that's like to me like but to me like that's the most exciting part like of this like in and i we already kind of knew going in this is a part one or two-parter story and then we were going to get uh a part two um next march which I also have to say, I know this is a tangent, but I'm so tired of like the two year gaps between two part of <laughs> movies. I'm so, yeah. especially now that we, you know, just had Fast X like two weeks ago, and that movie has like the worst cliffhanger ending. It just ends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is definitely a much better cliffhanger ending for a part one versus Fast X. Like, I'm not even saying it's nearly on that level. It's just, to me, I, I feel like I won't know fully how I feel apart about it in the grander, I guess, trilogy till I see the third film. Like, I kind of need that to put it into context for me to be like, oh, okay, well, I actually, my problems with the ending are totally gone. Like, you know, I feel like once I see the third movie, then I might feel differently about it. Exactly. You know, the, and that's what I'm kind of saying. It's like, you know, because they could really fuck this up in the next movie, like they could fuck up this high that I'm on right now uh, with this movie. But like for now, it's like it's an A minus. Like it's a really good like there's a lot of, you know, and I love that they do at least satisfy Gwen Stacy's arc. Like, you know, in in a couple of the minor arcs as well. Like, I mean, Miles Morales's arc of like, does he tell his parents? Does he not? That does get resolved, even if it's, you know kneecapped in a way yeah that's that's kind of where i was going with that but um we'll dive more into that when we get i mean because i feel like i don't want to start with the ending <laughs> you don't want to start with the ending yeah 
but yeah, no, no, no. I completely understand. But yeah, so, okay. But first let's kind of, you know, back up a little bit, you know, to the beginning. Uh, I do, let's just kind of go with, go into Gwen Stacy. I mean, her world is so like beautiful. I loved well that the art style of her world reflects the art style in the spider gwen comic series that started around so there's a there's also a spider verse comic book series the the movies there's like no relation really just the concept of a multiverse with spider people and like the spider verse but like there's around the time that the spider verse comics started i think it was like 2014 2015 there was a spider gwen series that started and that's where her character kind of began and so she was a big had a big role in that Spider-Verse series. But anyways, in her own comic, the art style of the comic is reflected in the in the movie and I really liked that they used like a lot of those pastels and kind of it the the um, the dripping color yeah, the dripping yeah. effect. Yeah. And so well, and they tell so much of the story with color. Like that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's almost like mood bracelet style. Like just mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the colors of the scene reflect the moods that everyone is feeling. Uh, so it so it just works on this like cerebral level of like, you know, you fee- are feeling it even more like the emotions that the, she's feeling. You feel the longing, you feel, you know, the mild happiness she has, you know, between her, her and her father. You know, you feel, you know, everything, like every color is so like, perfectly suited for each you know section of that you know that you know prologue so and that's what i love about and like the art style is like putting you inside her head like in a way Mm -hmm. that most movies just don't you know by her you know where it's like everywhere she looks it's she sees miles morales like miles morales is basically haunting her you know even though like they ended things on a great note like you know she longs for that connection that she doesn't have anymore so yeah um also i got a little story to tell you about spider gwen like after this podcast so just i'm gonna put a pin on that later so uh but anyway um so i was so i loved her story and i loved how it evolved into like you know this coming out story that goes horrifically wrong um and you know, and of course we're introduced to Miguel and uh, what's the other character's name? Jessica um, Drew. Jessica Drew. Or, well, she's a, she's a, she's another Spider Woman. I guess the Jessica Drew is like the original Spider Woman in the comics. Okay, but yeah, I was very much like in, but yeah, I love their stuff. You know, even though it's, I mean, our introduction to Miguel is just like insane. Like he's a vampire spider uh, person from the future, and he's like kind of unhinged. Like you can tell he's been through some serious shit with all this time traveling. Uh, so I kind of like his his story arc, and then, um, and then we go over to see check on Miles. Before we like go away from that, I do want to say like kind of briefly touch more on Gwen stuff. Um, I liked like that her her origin and kind of her tragedy event, I guess canon event, is kind of alluded to in the first end of the Spider Verse. But I liked getting to see that play out and kind of 
this idea of Gwen's uh, Captain Stacy pursuing Spider Man, and then it being his own daughter, or Spider Woman in this case, like kind of that's something that's like plant like a seed in the Amazing Spider Man series, like for like the whole vigilanteism and like him thinking she's responsible for Peter Parker's death and being like I thought that was all fascinating. And, like, I, I really like seeing that play out. And especially, like, when she does reveal herself to him, for him to be, like, him, like, you would think that he seeing his own daughter, that would be enough to disarm him. And But he, he doesn't lower his guard, and he still, like, asks her to uh, show her his hands, and, like, he's he's going to arrest her and everything. And, like, I was like, oh, man, that's that's rough. And like I thought, that was kind of a a, a dark note to begin um, this this movie out on, like especially like knowing that not I'm not saying it's a kids movie, but the movie is definitely like has has is intended to have a family broad appeal, like a family audience, and so for it to start in such a dark place was pretty. I I thought it was interesting, and uh, I I liked that it the series is kind of doing what the best franchises do in a way where it's maturing with its audience. Cause like five years ago, like this to a lot of children, Miles Morales is their Spider-Man. I mean, they, they grew up with him for like the past five years. And so that's what they consider or Tom Holland, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, like, I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. And then I liked seeing the like Da Vinci vulture and his art style where it was like, parchment like hand drawn like that was really cool and how they integrate i i always loved one of the things i loved about the first spider-verse was seeing the different arts character art styles like enter in different environments and so like to see that continue here but like kind of blown up to the fullest where there's like so many like it's crazy how many different art styles are in this movie like it, it, it really is the first one just on steroids exactly like i really do it is it's i mean and it's all like combined like you know from scene to scene like and it's so seamless too like you don't see any like seam lines or anything like it's so perfectly well drawn uh pun intended um so uh (laughs) but it's just so like you know like you admire the art but also like there's a great story underneath all this it's holding it together is that Gwen feels the abandonment she feels from, you know, both the grief, but also, you know, being abandoned physically from her father. So, you know, it like you feel for Gwen and you feel, you know, like why you understand like why she's very much like, you know, on Miguel's side for most of the movie until a certain point. But we'll get mm-hmm. to that in a second. I also liked how the movie kind of, you know how the Sam Raimi movies kind of had their, recap of the previous movie and the opening titles where they yes. a lot of it was like hand-drawn illustrations it felt like this movie kind of had its own spin on it i mean it had gwen stacy's voiceover and narration over it but like they had they kind of had their own little spin on it i'm like here we're going to recap the previous movie with some gorgeous <laughs> gorgeous animation um while gwen's playing the drums and stuff and like i, I thought that was that was pretty cool no it, it's very cool and it's just it is great because it puts you it changes your perspective because we think we're going to go straight into miles morales and then you know because in a normal movie structure like this 
we would check in on Miles. You know, we would basically have what is the first act of this movie. Mm-hmm. It, uh, but by setting the whole, uh, doing a whole like 10, 15 minute prologue um, with Gwen, it p- immediately disarms us and it all immediately puts us into, no, this is also Gwen. It, this is Gwen Stacy's story. This is her arc. This is her, this is her evolution, you know, for this movie. Uh, Miles has a long reaching arc through, you know, not just this, you know, this movie and the next movie, but the whole trilogy. <laughs> so that's to me, like why I was so like impressed with, you know, the choices that Phil Lord and Phil Lord and Chris Miller and Dave Callan made in writing the script. So, uh, yeah, I yeah. loved get her getting promoted to like co-lead. Whereas in the first movie, she's very much a supporting character. I mean, she is one of the more prominent supporting characters, but she's definitely more in that supporting realm. And so getting to see her have a larger role in the story and take more, uh, take charge of it, I, I really liked that was a refreshing change. And like you said, it was it was disarming to see it start from her perspective, but I thought it was also refreshing in a way because it was like, oh, okay, well, we haven't really explored much of her um her world or even her character beyond how it pertained to the first movie like with her just being in being drawn into miles's world and kind of having to navigate that like we it's nice to see her interior life i guess would be a good way to put it exactly yeah i i genuinely uh i genuinely love it i think it's a great way to start this movie and then we cut back to uh what's happening with miles and miles is you know got a new suit looks great and the armpits bleeding from the armpits (laughs) but i mean that it works for miles because he's such a dopey kid that he would probably think that was cool (laughs) no i think he definitely does because in his when he comes in back into the picture and everything's from his POV again, when he's kind of recapping what's gone on between the two movies as he's stepped into this role, he, when he talks about the suit, so I, I've seen the movie twice by now. So, uh, okay. I'm, this is why I might be able to recall this a little more with more clarity. Um, he talks about the suit and he says, I got this fly new suit. Like he, he's describing the suit, like, and he's very proud of it. And it's just so funny, like, I thought that was a great recurring gag for everyone to kind of kind of make fun of him a little bit for it. I mean, I think it looks cool, too. But, like, it's funny that they're like, are you bleeding from the armpits? And for that to be a recurring gag throughout the movie, I thought that was, that was funny. Um, and then, like, the whole cancel culture thing where he's like, I endorsed baby powder. Then I apologized for endorsing baby powder. I grew a mustache. And then I apologized for growing a mustache. Like, I thought that was, that was hilarious. Um, and then I, I, it immediately pulls you into like the crux of any spider person of this duality of having to be not um, in this case miles morales and spider-man as opposed to peter parker and spider-man but the duality of having to balance those two lives and all the responsibilities that come with each and having to hide things from your loved ones in order to keep them safe or also maybe you're a little bit scared of how they might react to um the truth like i i think it captured i really love that these movies capture the essence of spider-man but it's like across 
multiple spider people. Like it's not just Miles. Like it captures the essence of Spider-Man and Spider-Gwen. It captures the essence of Spider-Man and Peter B. Parker, you know, everyone. And like, I think uh, this, that pro like, well, I guess I wouldn't really know if I would call it the prologue, but like that intro with Miles, like it's all the right beats, like within like a matter of like five to 10 minutes, like you, you, you get that story you get that that's communicated so effectively so quickly like i i would i would kind of draw comparisons to the the raimi movies and how how so many scenes involving especially in spider-man 2 where we get to see that dilemma and the struggle that comes with that exactly like i uh and that's like to me like why the movie is all like not only does it work with gwen but also works with you know, it illustrates it so hard because he's just, he has to say, because he knows his responsibility to himself and to New York City, but he also has responsibility to his parents because, I mean, and also we're dealing with a much younger version of Spider-Man. I mean, uh, he's only, you know, what, 14, 15 in this? Or when we start this, friend And, well, I guess not just younger. They say he's a sophomore in um, high school, so he could be 15, 16, somewhere in there. Okay, that's fair. Okay. Um, But, yeah, I... But still, I mean, like, this is a kid. Like, this is a kid, like, literally... you You feel that this is a kid who's struggling, you know, with the duality of it. And he has a roommate. Uh that's keeping his secrets as well. So that's a nice reoccurring bit. Um, and then we get to the, the spot, the spot played by Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> yes. I loved that they cast him in this role and I feel like he nailed it. Like both the, I mean, when he's first introduced as kind of like the, they joke about him being like a villain of the week. Like he's introduced as a joke and Jason Schwartzman, like his comedic, sensibilities really carry over into that to where like he is kind of a goofy kind of he's he's a dork but yeah. like for, he looks for ridiculous. Like, to like for it to like start out that way and then like throughout the movie as he becomes more formidable and gains more abilities and more power like he does he does become pretty menacing and i'm very curious to see what well i mean i know it kind of foreshadows what could potentially happen and beyond the spider-verse but we don't know whether that's going to ultimately come to fruition or not as of right now but um yeah i'm really excited to see where his character goes in the, in the next movie um i i loved him in this movie i thought it was a really fascinating villain with a unique power set that we haven't really seen in the spider-man movies um i, I know spot is in the comics but like as far as villains depicted on screen, they usually kind of go with his more traditional rogues gallery of characters with like the more, the ones that are more like most well-known and more popular. At least a lot of them are like the Sinister Six have been a part of the Sinister Six at some point. And so it's, I thought it was really refreshing to see um, Spot as the take, be the, be the main villain, I guess, or even if, you could say Spider-Man 2099 is also like maybe like a secondary antagonist, but not like in conjunction with Spot, but like just as as, as an opposing force to Miles. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, what I love about the Spot, too, is like, you know, when you really like sit down and think about like this guy, 
he's had a really fucked up like last year and a half. I mean, he got a bagel the, thrown at him. He got a bagel thrown at him. He was trapped inside the collider or whatever, and he's now he doesn't even have facial features. He's just a like a figure just moving through time and space. So I mean, that's got to be frustrating, and to be like laughed at by the person who caused you <laughs> to have to be the spot. It's I can like I one hundred percent. Even if like Jason Schwartzman plays it so perfectly with the comedy and then later on when he like gets even more and more formidable like you said more formidable like it is like oh like this guy can really you know do damage because now he can enter like multiverse travel um and (laughs) and not even be like glitching out because it's through magic it's through his own like you know prism of Mm -hmm. superpower so that's even more you know uh messed up so uh so and like he multiversal jumps you know to all these different like he multiversal jumps to the lego set to the venom universe um <laughs> uh he multiverses through you know different timelines and it's just great to see also i have to give a shout out to lego spider lego verse because that is so and I know it's not the team that did the Lego movies. It's actually some like kid that did it. Yeah. But it's still like, that is so cool. That is. So I think it's cool. well, like it's pretty cool that a 14 year old like animate, like did the stop motion for a feature length movie for that segment. Like that's pretty impressive. And then I liked how, you know, in the, so just because it's a Phil Lord, Chris Miller kind of connection, you know, in the Lego movie, like when the, any and anytime something happened with like guns or like there'd be like the little kid making the pew 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 because they're playing with it. So when Spider Man is like using his watch, he's like like he they the little kid the kid is making sound effects for Spider Man. So it's kind of like I, I liked that that like kind of connective tissue in a way, even though like this doesn't like tie into the Lego movies or anything. But this the idea that they carried that. Um, that idea over in terms of sound effects um and then like j jonah jameson being portrayed still by jk simmons kind of in all the universes is kind of funny just because it's like this idea of like well he's so perfect like we we he's he's just he's j jonah jameson everywhere yeah um yeah this guy was always meant to be an angry report like (laughs) an angry (laughs) editor-in-chief And then, like, you were kind of alluding to it a little bit, but, like, it is kind of fascinating that, like, what makes Spot a compelling character, like, is that there is genuine pathos and tragedy to what happened to him, even if it's sometimes played as a joke, but, like, you can genuinely sense, like, that deeper hurt within him. Oh, yeah. Like, he definitely, well, I mean, yeah, he's definitely just hurt and definitely just, like, you know, like... like he did not want to be thrown a bagel at um and he's like his whole life he's been the joke i mean when you are thrown a bagel by spider-man uh just out of like just carelessness i mean that's gotta hurt so i mean and he's on a journey to matter he's on a self and self-induced journey to matter uh because he is not matter at all like he anyone can go through him so so yeah he's on that journey of his and and he wants to matter to the people that hurt him the most so yeah it 
so yeah i mean it's it's all great and then um we get to miguel or not miguel uh miles's parents and i really do like them in this movie I they really had a lot them. of great scenes with miles like not even just like the scenes where they're like frustrated with him and he can't explain to them but like there were just like a lot of great heartfelt conversations especially with his mom and then like there were some nice heart-to-hearts with his dad but like as spider-man so like there was that kind of twist to it um that like allowed for some comedy as well as some like genuinely heartfelt uh, bits of dialogue and things um but yeah and then just like for him to like feel him have to just like have all this massive weight on his shoulders of both lives and have that kind of come to a head with like being kind of having to lie to his parents in a situation where he's going to end up more in trouble with them probably than if he did tell them the truth and like where he's just put in this awkward these like uncomfortable situations and like i think i thought that was really fascinating like and like i was saying kind of really underscores the crux of what spider-man is exactly because I mean, and also, like, you just love the fact that he has to get to, like, I mean, the stuff with the, the gag with the cakes. Like, the cakes are flying everywhere, and then he finally gets to his parents' house, you know, and it's like, all the icing is everywhere but the cake. Uh, <laughs> well, and then for, like, I, I love the whole little beat about him going to get the cake. And then he's like, tell, like, you know how it kind of is like a similar joke that they made in the Shazam 2, where like the whole thing of like, okay, I'm going to like list out this long, like, I, I'm just going to ramble, but I want you to put it all on the cake. And then she's like, well, I can't fit this all in one cake. I'm going to have to buy a second one. And then for like, while he's having to transport it, like this, the like real life, um, implications of having to carry two cakes he can't web sling so he has to do it like the slowest way possible he has to like get on the subway and take a cab but he's like while he's in the midst of all that he's having to deal with spider-man responsibilities oh i gotta stop these villains i got this guy stole some nikes or whatever and like through that there are some comedic beats involving the cake and then for it ultimately when it gets to his parents to be such a mess and then, like, all the words, the only words left on the cake say, I'm not proud. Like, you're just like, dang, that's just a, that's a knife in the heart. <laughs> well, yeah. And also, I mean, it probably also is awkward that uh, uh, Miles has a, black, a BLM, like, a button on his uh back back to and his father's a cop so there's probably been awkward conversations like it, like that's what i love about it. like there's not going back to the gwen thing but i love that they're like just like posters and stuff like reflecting their like you know interior lives like i mean gwen has a you know protect trans youth uh you know poster on her you know in her room you know miles has like different kind of poster <coughs> posters and stuff like like I just like love the attention to detail of everybody's interior lives, you know, and I do feel the most for Rio out of the three because she's the one that never gets to know anything. Like she doesn't mm-hmm. get to know anything about, you know, her husband's, you know, interior life because he's a cop, you know, and cops try to keep as much, you know, at home as, or away from home as possible. And then Peter or not Peter, I, miles is keeping everything away 
from everyone so she's always in the dark but she's always having to read between the lines that there's something you know greater or bigger that's happening that's out of her out of her knowledge but you know because the men in her life are trying to protect her but she still is very much concerned and feels out of you know she she never feels like she can actually she can't help because they she doesn't know what's going on so there's this like great underlining tragedy you know so when she says you know protect that little boy you know from the trailer and in this movie it adds something it means something so you know and then of course gwen is in this movie she's hanging out you know she's looking for the spot as well i think um, yeah so like she really came there she she's like while she's there she's gonna see miles because she misses him and he's like her only friend um quote unquote you know and but like she's really there to see the spot and like i liked the idea that she's trying to spend time with him but she's trying to hold so much back from him just in order she just said out of desire to protect him because she doesn't want him to get hurt whether it be emotionally or physically you know like it, you can go so many different ways with that but like the idea that she's harboring a darker truth like behind this like innocence where they're just kind of swinging around and like oh we're gonna go hang upside down from the uh well, it's not the Empire State, cool but some, iconic shot yeah so like there's like this youthful innocence that she's like masking this like darker like more mature truth that's gonna come to fruition and come to light um towards the end of the movie but like and like i thought that was an amazing twist too that really um kind of like make i I don't know it kind of makes this whole spider verse even more like this whole i guess saga trilogy like a little bit more profound for miles to like have a place in this story like i feel like it almost is what should have happened with the the star wars sequel trilogy the idea of nobody becoming a jedi like the greatest jedi and the hero of the resistance like it's kind of the same concept but with like a no like someone who isn't supposed to be important becoming a central figure in this whole multiversal story and like I, and like being this like mistake quote unquote like i think that's all pretty fascinating yeah it's almost like if we should have had lord and miller uh, do a star wars movie <laughs> okay let the, the awkward silence has passed okay great um so yeah like but you know i get it i completely understand that and it makes the trilogy like that much more richer is that like Mm -hmm. he has this arc and also like we're questioning too as the audience like you know can miles save everyone can he like find a way to save all the universes and the people he loves because uh, the greater truth because we learn what the greater truth is and to me like that's like the great catalyst for the rest of or at least the next movie because now it's like you know can miles can miles actually accomplish it can miles actually be the anomaly you know and create the universe that is an anomaly like can he actually inspire to save multi multiverses and other people's lives like can 
it's like that whole idea from Mission Impossible Fallout where Tom Cruise's whole thing is, you know, I one life is not, you know, it, it's the idea of going against the few, the needs of a few against the many that Star Trek kind of keeps like throwing around. Uh, it's a like this movie feels like a rebuttal to that, if that makes any sense. Uh, so he follows her into the spider verse and, or across the spider verse to Mumbatan, Mumbatan. So is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know how to Mumbatan, pronounce that. Mumbatan, India. <laughs> that, that's what Aqua, that's what, uh, Wikipedia says. So we're going to go with Mumbatan, India. Uh, so, uh, which is basically just Mumbai, India, and Manhattan just, you know, slammed together. Kind of like San Francisco, or San Francisco, whatever, in Big Hero 6. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, we we land in, you know, Manhattan, and we're introduced to, uh, where are we at? Uh, we're introduced to the Indian version of Spider-Man, uh... Pafiti Par, is this Peter Parker? It's Indian. Uh, I'm sorry. There, it's Spider Man India, and played by uh, Karen Sani, who is the taxi driver from Deadpool. Yay! Uh, so we're introduced to his world. It's and even like he's like more like you know I'm cooler. You know I'm. You know, I have cool hair. You know, I love that joke about the hair. I just yeah. have the perfect hair. You know. <laughs> well, they're uh, like, what do you put in it? And he's like, conditioner. And like, uh, then like, like he says, it's all natural. And then he like, he's talking, he starts telling the products. <laughs> so it's just a great reveal. And also this is where we meet Spider-Punk, uh, played by the great Daniel Kalulia. Uh uh, also fantastic casting um mm-hmm. all around and in this set piece this is where we learn that they're what was the thing you said earlier that they're called canon um, events canon events so and the spot is here too you know trying to blow up another uh collider thing uh so he can gain more power and the collider and he does he gains more power he becomes more black uh, that was not meant to. That sounded way worse. Sorry, <laughs> I am so sorry that. Okay, but he becomes more holy there. That's even worse. Uh, he becomes more formidable there. Uh, good grief. Uh, I approve my podcast. I don't approve my podcast. Uh. Anyway, uh, so so after that, it causes this massive, you know, bridge collapse where he where Spider-Man India has to choose between his father-in-law and uh, the woman he loves. Basically, the Indian versions of Captain Stacy and Gwen Stacy. Exactly. Uh, so and he has to choose his girlfriend, and then the Indian version of Captain Stacy. You know, is gonna die, but Peter, not Peter. Uh, good grief! Miles saves him, and 
disrupts the canon and it breaks the uni- their universe a little bit. Is that what happens? Yeah. But then they somehow resolve it somehow, or they're trying to resolve the, it? The spider people show up and they have these little devices that they use to help contain the... Like, it's basically like this big void in the ground, like, comes up. It's like, it looks like it's like, it's kind of ties into, like, the visual identity of Spot's abilities. But it's like kind of this void and there's, like, skyscrapers coming out of it and stuff. So the spider people come up with this, like, technology or whatever to help contain it. But, like, um, this whole section, like, I thought it was interesting. Like, in the first movie, everyone else but Miles was glitching because they were out of their universe. So to see that idea of, like, oh, well, if you don't have this special wristband, you're going to glitch outside of your universe. And seeing Miles glitch, like, is kind of, like, an interesting kind of little reversal. And then I loved, um, like, how it felt like a lot of, like, the cultural representation here was really meaningful and not just kind of, like, a throwaway thing. And, like, there was very layered and there was a lot to it. And, like, I thought these characters were pretty interesting. And, like, both Spider-Punk and um, Spider-Man India or Peter Putt. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to butcher names right now. So, um, yeah. I, I really liked the section of the movie and um, the canon event. The idea of the canon event was pretty fascinating to me. Especially because, like, so much of this movie starts to kind of explore kind of the ideas of the multiverse. And I like that as we're seeing the multiverse explored in so many different corners of Marvel, whether it be the MCU or here or whatever, like we're kind of, I'm like that we're seeing different perceptions of the multiverse from different um, points of view. So like, we have like the TVA and Loki and then we have like Doctor Strange and we have blah, blah, blah. We have Spider-Man. And now we have like Miles Morales, Spider-Man and this whole spider uh, society or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like for them to have perceived like things have to go a certain way. So there are specific canon events in every spider person's life that defines who they are and what makes the it keeps the universe in check. Like I thought that was like a really fascinating concept, especially like for like the idea of like sightseeing I, I feel like it kind of reinforced like being able to call upon the previous Spider-Man movies where they have little bits of like uh, I don't know they, they have footage from the Raimi Spider-Man movies and the Amazing Spider-Man and then like they even have Daniel Glover's um, Prowler show up like so like there are little connections to the other um, universes but like I feel like be able to draw upon that in the shared history between all of those like that's kind of alluded to a little bit in No Way Home when the three Spider-Men meet each other but like for them to draw upon that for like this whole like multiverse of spider people this whole spider-verse like I thought that was really cool <laughs> exactly like to me like that's why this movie is so incredible because it's just like it keeps building and building the whole multiversal saga that Marvel is doing, but we're still in the Sony universe. So, and that's kind of like why I think the multiverse, this is like why I, when I heard the multiversal saga was announced, you know, back in 2019 or whatever, uh, why I was so like interested in this, because you could do like, you could do like, you know, the Foxverse comes in to, you know, like you could have a whole movie to where logan interacts with like the vision or something um Mm -hmm. or um peter or 
Toby Maguire's Peter Parker interacts with um, Patrick Stewart's, you know, or, uh, <laughs> or, or Doctor Strange or something. So you just kind of, like, there's all these infinite possibilities, and I feel like Marvel's kind of been sort of shitting the bed on the yeah. multiversal. Um, <laughs> just because, like, there's so many possibilities, and we are just wasting it on these very small, minute worlds that really don't matter. Or, or we're just like, isn't it awesome we have the, the two Spider-Mans and one with this, the third Spider-Man in one movie? And you're kind of thinking, that should be like, you know, step one. We should be like, when, when right now we should be like easily in like step four or five mm-hmm. or six. Like it sh- should be like in multiple levels, you know, at this point so and right now like lord and miller and of course the directors everyone's like working on like level 10 where it's like no we can have all the spider-men that's ever been a spider-man even a spider t-rex yeah like we can have it all together like why are we just limiting ourselves and that's kind of like why i love the section of where we're in the future with miguel herrera uh so that's why i love that stuff so much because it just feels so like yeah this is the spider verse and miles is going across the spider verse uh so that's why i genuinely love it so much um of course we get you know all the introductions this is where we meet up with peter b parker um and we find out that he's been really really busy um with back in his section you know, with having a daughter and everything. Um, so, yeah, no, everything's been, so everything's good until the reveal of what the canon, what canon disruption is, what P, what Miles just did um, on Peter and Mabatten, and why the spot is actually a super, super formidable villain, because he can multiverse travel and cause any kind of disruption he wants. And then we learn that the spot will basically be responsible for uh, Miles's dad's death. So, and of course, you know, Miguel asked him the, you know, the hardest question, the, the impossible question, would you just sit this one out and let your father die so your entire world will survive? And Miles is like, no, th- we we can do both that we're spider like the job of spider-man is to do both and throughout the what's the cleverest part about this reveal is we've seen up to this point like miles struggle to do both miles struggles to be the student and spider-man and the son you know or the good son and everything so for everything that all culminate to now you must choose to actually save your father or save the universe. And he still chooses to do both. You know, that is like, it's such a great like culmination of theme and everything now coming to a decision. And now he has to make an impossible decision and he doesn't make the decision. He doesn't make the decision at all. So it's almost like it's almost biblical, like what he's doing in this moment, what Miles is doing. Uh, sorry, do you have something for this section? Um, I liked how just Oscar Isaac's kind of characterization of Spider-Man twenty ninety nine, where like he's kind of angsty, 
and he's like he has this he of, of all the spider-men he kind of arguably has like the greatest weight of all of them of trying to hold this whole spider-verse together and like make sure these canon events aren't disrupted and so like i thought it was interesting to give him this like really um understandable position to be in where you you can really relate to his point of view and see like why he's going to the links he is to try to stop miles and why and then on the same side on the on the flip side like you're obviously we're very endeared to miles's parents and so we don't want to see his dad die just as much as miles doesn't want to see him die so like we we've really grown to care about them and miles as, as a whole and so like we're obviously kind of we're able to see both both points of view and see maybe there could be a middle ground which is kind of something that's alluded to later in the movie that maybe that could be a potential solution and beyond the spider-verse where there's a middle ground of like hey your dad doesn't have to be the captain that dies or like anything along those lines i mean yeah. I, i'm not going to sit here and try to predict exactly what's going to happen because that's just you know that's not really what's what we're doing right now but no well and also it's it's disparaging to beyond the spider-verse to do to go ahead and be like to you know predict its storyline and try to outthink that movie so uh but yeah so yeah no and then we have this great i mean just extended action scene of every spider-man coming for miles like almost like john wick style but pg you know yeah and like it was just so frenetic and like i mean all the action sequences in these spider-verse movies are very fr- mm. hyper frenetic and very energetic but like i felt like this one especially like kind of took that like like I was talking about, like uh, this movie is into the Spider Verse on steroids or cocaine or whatever you want to say. Like, like this movie, like just compounds it to the max, and like they just do not hold back anything at all. And it, that's that's really what I love about it. Like, kind of this whole maximalist approach to it is pretty cool. Um, like, and kind of unique. Like, not too many franchises or are successful at that. Like some, the, a lot of movies where they try to throw everything in the kitchen sink at you. Like it's just, it's, it's too overwhelming in the sense where it's like maybe hard to follow or it's just like kind of convoluted, but like this, like Lord and Miller managed to have all of these elements in play, but simplify it in a way where it's very easy to follow and understand even if the sound mix is a little off, but that's its own discussion, I guess. Yeah. Uh, which I haven't seen the second, which not to go back, but you know, I, I understand where people are going for the sound mix, but that's again, that's, that we'll table that for after the show. So uh, where are we at? Um, so yeah. And then, you know, this great action scene, and Miles brilliantly outsmarts all of the Spider-Man men and women. Uh, and he goes back, you know, to the place where you know he thinks they would not look for him and decides to like use his DNA to go back to the, his own universe. And, uh, and he does like, he absolutely does. And what's great is so, so we, we haven't mentioned yet. There's like an AI like a, or a Spider-Man that's like using virtual reality to like, uh, you know, be clued into the future universe. 
so played by uh, Amanda Madeline Amanda Steinberg. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's a Spider Woman's or Spider Bite, like Gigabyte. You know, get it? It's... So and so she's very much. So what's great is like you know while Miles is tricking the system because he's invisible and she's like trying to you know fix everything you know um what's great is while he's like you know assimilating and going back to his reality like trying to get back and she has a moment where she could stop the machine and she doesn't and it's like this little moment of like you know she doesn't i don't think anyone knows that miles is going to the wrong universe it does come so i I caught this on my first viewing. So when it was treated as a huge twist, like I was like, oh, well, I already knew that. Um, Because it shows up on the screen saying he's going to 42 and they like beat you over the head with the number 42 throughout this whole movie. (laughs) So it's like, I knew like when I saw 42, I was like, oh, okay. So the spider DNA is in him and that's the DNA that it's looking for because really, well, I guess it sent some of the villains home. So that's a little bit different, but I was going to say, really, if it did any of the spider people, that's what it would be looking for as a spider DNA. But it does the villains, too. So I guess it's more it's more advanced than that. But the idea that that DNA is coursing through his veins, like for him to go there, I thought it was really I thought even though I kind of knew the reveal was coming and there are little clues as you're watching to why it's kind of hinting towards that eventual outcome beyond seeing the screen um like I, I i heard it pointed out today well i noted i caught it in the theater but i didn't like because i knew it was a different universe i just didn't take too much notice of it mm-hmm. but like miles's mom's eyes are a different color like in in the main universe they're brown and in this universe they're kind of like a hazily like kind of greenish color oh. and then um her skin tone also looked a little bit lighter to me too, but that could have been a lighting thing of like, cause there's like a little bit of a moody ambiance in this universe or whatever, because there's no Spider-Man. So everything's gone to shit. And there's <laughs> and, no Miles's dad to like, also kind of be like the virtue, you know, mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, it's gone complete to shit. And Miles is, and yeah, Miles's dad is dead in this universe, and the Miles that is in this universe is the Prowler. And when this happened, I literally everyone in the theater was leaping out of their chairs because it's like everyone finally understands like the consequences of this multiverse. Like, there's not been a whole lot of consequences for the multiverse, you know, in the MCU and all this whatever is happening. Like, I mean, Venom gets, or Tom Hardy's Venom gets actually sent into the MCU for, like, five minutes. But, like, he has no impact. Um, yeah. No, there's no, in, in No Way Home, they erase any of the impact. Like Yeah, really, um, the only impact it has is, like, personally on Peter Parker within No Way Home, where he has to sacrifice his life, basically. Exactly. Other than that, there hasn't really been that consequence yet, but I feel like it's coming with secret wars because secret wars implies that these universes are going to collide and these incursions and stuff. And with like seeing Donald Glover incorporated in this movie and seeing them go into the venom universe, 
makes me think that this these some of I'm not saying that you're gonna have a pivotal role or anything, but I and then I I saw a rumor on Twitter or whatever, but like this is something I was just thinking in the theater. Like I was like I I wouldn't be surprised if they some of these characters have some semblance of an appearance in Secret Wars or whatever. And I think it would be an interesting way to give it some, like have have different stylizations of universes like these movies do, is if they keep them animated, which could be interesting. And kind of like going for that Who Framed Roger Rabbit kind of angle. I think that could be cool. Um, and like there's even like that that multiversal tree, like the branches, that is like the same graphic that we see in like all the other MCU stuff. So like, I feel like for them to have used that, like, I feel like they draw from so much that I feel like there's going to be some connective tissue to some extent. I think so too, because like, I mean, that's the cool, that's the one thing like I feel like of this movie, but like you can make an argument that the Sony stuff is still separate, but with everything going on multiversal, they could have literally just went, and had a conversation with Feige to be like, hey, can we play in this universe as well? Like, we're all going to... I have a feeling. Do you remember in 20... I think it was 2018 or 2019, when the future of that Sony Spider-Man deal was up in the air? Do you remember that? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I have a feeling that Sony in order like for with their negotiating power because they had all the power in their hands Disney was coming begging them because they wanted to be able to use Spider-Man yes and Sony obviously wants to play in that world too I have a feeling part of their bargaining power there was saying look we want to you you want to be able to use our toys we want to be able to use your toys we let's figure out a way for us to be involved in your stuff and it doesn't have, we don't have to be in the same universe as you, but if you're going to go for this whole multiverse thing, then why can't we be a part of that? And I have a feeling that's kind of where that came from. And I think it just happened to fit really well into their plans. So I think it's like coming to fruition pretty well. I don't know if that was ever like the intended purpose or anything like that, but I, I do have a feeling that's where that originated. It's a good, I think that's a good theory. And I mean, they now have, I think they, in right, they have some Spider Man power now. So I think they do. So I think that they could, they could easily be talking to the, all these people. It's just funny that, like, there's so much in, there's a few MCU, like, just like winks and nods uh, that, you know, oh, so are we going to see Miles in, you know, yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's just interesting to think about that, you know, not only do you have to watch Loki to understand, <laughs> to get references for Spider-Verse, you have to, it's just, it's just building and building and building, so. But I also think you don't really have to have seen those things to get those references, because like, no. so my second viewing, I took my girlfriend outside of those mainstream Spider-Man movies. So I showed her all the Spider-Man movies before we watched Spider-Man No Way Home, including Into the Spider-Verse. So she's familiar with all of that. But like, there was like, for example, like there was a spectacular Spider-Man from that cartoon series within this movie. The um, PS4 Spider-Man is in this movie. She had no idea who those were, but that didn't really have any impact on her. 
And she, she did recognize Donald Glover, but I don't think she recognized him because he was in No Way or he was in the MCU. She recognized him because he was Donald Glover. <laughs> right. But I mean, yeah, I, I will say this, though. It was like another, you know, jaw dropping, like, like you feel the energy in the room when uh, they bring up uh, when you see Donald Glover and it's like in the proud. That was suit. a really good surprise cameo. And I, I thought he looked dope in the suit. And it would kind of made me happy because, like, I felt like that thread was like totally abandoned after Homecoming. They never really touched it. So I was always hoping they would return to it if they ever did Miles Morales in that his uni- in that mainstream universe. So like it's just nice to see that there is some follow up to that. Whether we see anything come of it later, we'll see. But um, I, I that was nice to see. <laughs> exactly because I mean, and you're right though that I mean because after Spider Man Homecoming, like they really do abandon the vulture and all that stuff. So yes, I get, I know the this vulture. movie. Yeah. So I never watched Morbius, but I know about the post-credit scene. I've seen it out of context. This movie like recontextualizes that scene to make it actually make sense. Because if you yes. saw that scene after no way home and you're and the implication is that those were the, that was the connection. Then you're like, why this make, this doesn't add up. But like knowing now that these villains are being pulled into other universes just at totally at random, then it makes total sense how Vulture ended up in the Venom verse, or how um or how uh, Donald Glover is now in twenty ninety nine. So yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, man, it's this is insane. This is getting crazy now. Okay. So, uh, so Miles escapes, but to a to the wrong universe. But we find out very slowly. He even has this nice like coming out moment that he's Spider Man, and she's like doesn't know who that is. So, <laughs> I have so, a feeling because they alluded so strongly to the fact that there is no Spider Man there. The Peter Parker was never turned. I don't know in what capacity, but I feel like he has to meet the Peter Parker of that world that didn't become Spider-Man. Maybe he'll seek him out because he knows he's there, but I have a feeling that is going to tie in to some capacity in the next movie. Like I, I, again, this is maybe kind of going too far down like the theorizing thing, but I feel like they, they, they laid the groundwork for that. And I feel like that could be powerful thematically. Or like, I, th- I think that could be really interesting for him to have a conversation with a powerless Peter Parker, whereas all he's ever known in his own universe and even outside of that are powered Peter Parker's spy as Spider-Man. Like, so like to be able to see a powerless Peter Parker, I think that could be interesting. Like, I think they could do a lot with there. There's a lot of dramatic potential there. And then like, like stepping away from Miles for a second, like, I thought like the whole Gwen Stacy thing, like, hey, uh, we know your dad wanted to arrest you and your life's kind of screwed up, but uh, we're going to send you back to your universe where you're going to have to deal with the consequences of that because you sort of stepped in the way, you know, a little bit and we're not happy with you. And like, I thought that was messed up. (laughs) I, I thought that was great, like to like have to have to basically Gwen Stacy have this out to escape the consequences of our actions and everything that happened in the, in the beginning of the movie and to have to come back and face the music and like have a conversation with your dad. And like the whole time 
like it feels like she's walking on um on needles in the sense of like you're like oh gosh is her dad gonna try to arrest her like and then they have this genuine heart to heart and then they hug it out like i that was great yeah and then it's revealed that spider punk uh left a left his little watch thing yeah well so i think he built his own because it looks like kind of cobbled together and kind of in his style and then when he leaves their universe he like takes his watch off as like his resignation and he's like all right i'm out of here um so yeah i and then like her bringing everyone together like hey we're gonna be this sort of like resistance group and we're gonna like go find miles and we're gonna help him because we're we're his friends like and then to see like like my like glup shitto moment was like seeing spider-man noir and spider-ham like i was like they're back <laughs> yeah <laughs> because like in the whole lead up to this movie they were very transparent about the fact nick cage didn't come back we didn't get john ham back so it was like i was like oh man i feel like i'm gonna miss him and then like so seeing them return i'm like oh they're gonna be back for the next movie <laughs> yeah it's yeah that is a cool shit like we won because now like you know everyone's back even like um you know spider bite is joining in uh india spider-man india is in there so it's just like you know, yeah everyone is coming back they're gonna fight miguel and uh Issa Rae. it's just gonna be a true battle but first they have to find miles they have to figure out where miles mm-hmm. is and it just like it leaves you on such a high note. And what I love is um, in Houston, uh, Coley uh, kind of brought this up in a tweet. Like the the ending theme, like you know, tells the whole story of the movie all in one, you know, in one cue at the end. That bit, and it, while also building excitement towards you know the ending. So when you get to the to be continued, you the entire audience leaps out of their seats like going like ready for the next one like they can't believe that we got another we have another part one we went through one other part one this summer uh so it, it it's just a great conclusion we i have one more in store yep yep um i, I just want to backtrack a little bit Okay. I like one sequence we didn't really talk about that I really liked or where I was kind of talking about they were trying to preserve the secret of oh him being in a universe new universe maybe for people that didn't catch the 42 thing like I loved that cross cutting between the universes and how they had a similar ambiance in both with the rain coming down and kind of that like green tinted lighting and then as I loved like as Miles is swinging he's like hearing these voiceovers of these like pivotal moments over the past two movies and like he, you're getting like the large kind of animation of like kind of the recap sort of thing as they're talking like that was great like I feel like that's probably the closest this movie got to like a what's up danger type sequence like to me there wasn't quite a scene that reached the heights of that in in my opinion i mean in that way where it's like such a simple it's a very profound moment not just um like symbolically it means a lot musically it's like charged as heck like and then like like i don't know there's just so much that goes into that what's up danger sequence and i feel like this is maybe the closest the movie get this movie got to that 
Well, to me, the closest it gets is the final ending, where it's just like yeah. you are building energy, you're building to this like that, and also the Gwen Stacy with her, you know, hugging her father. You know, it's like it's more little moments, and mm-hmm. also we have to remember this is like half of the story, so uh, the 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 finale to top what's up a danger will probably show up in that. So. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how this goes. I'm kind of happy that we only have like, you know, eight or nine months between each movie. Cause hoping the, the strikes don't impact it. But if they do, uh, I'm, I'm in solidarity with everyone wanting their, their. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's the only reason. So the only way I feel like if anything, it would be the actors, the, the SAG strike. If that comes to fruition, I think that would be what would impact it because the animated writers guild, whatever the, I think it's called tag. I think they, they aren't really, they're kind of their own entity and they don't really have the bargaining power as, as the WGA does. And so that's not really going to be impacted by the WGA strike, but um I could see where the SAG strike could impact if the voiceover hasn't already been completed. I'm I'm amazed if they're able to churn out another one of these in eight months. I mean, they, they must have been doing them kind of co-currently over the past few years. I think that's the case because that's like the part of the reason why the wait was so long is mm-hmm. because cause this was originally just supposed to be one movie. Yeah, and, then, and I think it just like... It, ballooned out to be so big that like they're like we can't do this justice in one movie so we have to split it yeah and who knows i mean the next one might be you know just an hour 40 minutes or or the same length as the first movie so who knows like so and you're and everyone's absolutely right like everything could be delayed i mean even i I don't know if you remember this but i mean the reason why harry harry potter and the half-blood prince got delayed from 2008 to a summer 20, 2009 is because Warner Brothers didn't have the only, the only summer movie they had was Terminator Salvation. Oh. So, uh, so they moved uh, Harry Potter to July so they could have, you know, one more summer movie. Uh, I wouldn't want Terminator Salvation to be my only summer movie either. Yeah, no, they, that's what they were thinking too. <laughs> And they hadn't even shot that movie when they made that announcement. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, they were, so that was, so, I mean, studios could just do that. Like they could delay everything in, they could, I mean, even stuff that's coming out like at the end, very end of this year, like Aquaman could be delayed again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, knocking on wood, but, but like like you said, I we we all stand in solidarity with the writer strike, and now uh, what's possibly going to be the, the SAG strike. Um, so uh, yeah, things are not looking great. Um, pay your writers, pay your actors, um, and I know, and I don't know about the DGA. I don't know if they are going to ever join in solidarity, but uh, they managed to reach some sort of agreement the other day. So I don't know what's going to become of that. Okay. So, but just pay your, pay the people, pay your artists that are making the great content that, 
that is like spider-verse and even like shittier content like venom carnage or whatever like just keep just pay them just pay them what pay them what they want and also don't replace them with ai so there that's my there's my you know i'm gonna stand on the apple box today and me and david will stand on the apple box pay your writers all right so uh we've done up spider-verse is we're we done for now yeah um okay so uh all right so david uh where can the good people find you and do you have anything to promote uh you can find me on twitter at wides underscore david and if you want to check out my blog i have a review of the first spider verse movie on there um i don't know if i'm gonna write a review for this one quite yet maybe i will uh we'll see um but if you want to check that out uh you can look at film assessment and that's my handle for it across all social media as well at film assessment so yeah all right and you can follow me on twitter at movie kale and uh and yeah we're gonna be back next week uh we're we're gonna be back next week for transformers and some more comic book movie you know shenanigans multiversal shenanigans with the flash all right thanks everyone uh we'll be back with you next week i promise who do you think you are really we are supposed to be the good guys we are